Welcome into another Wine Pod edition of the Pod Podcast. It's December 18th. It is almost 7 o'clock, and there's a lot of things we've got to get into. First of all, Bo Robert Rood is in the house, and we this is the first time in the pod room in it's my the house. studio, man. The it's pod just, studio. So we don't have the soundproofing panels up yet, so if it's a little echoey, we apologize, but we had to come in here. It's beautiful. It we got the new. Okay. This is a custom podcast table, so it's it's like a half. Perfect. It's like a half an arc, but just perfectly set up so you can have what up to four or five guests. We could we could if we had a multi, you could sit five people probably comfortably five with mics three really comfortably five. You could I mean so yeah. we're gonna be doing more of this stuff. This feels so good. We got we I know that. <laughs> We talked earlier about potentially, you know, decorating. Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland, finding her place small. But we do got a few miscellaneous items and got some Nick Baugh, Creighton. I mean, this is some good stuff. This is good. We got we got Rich Baugh. First of all, I got a Rich Baugh, like, figurine. I don't know. How would you describe it? It's like a cardboard cutout of my dad as a foot as like he dressed up. But he's in his, like, football uniform for Fremont. But this is kind of, that's an interesting thing. That was like, uh, it's like a big. It's like this was a start. Remember those things called starting lineups? More those. Yeah, starting lineup. Was, is that what yeah. that's called? Yeah. yeah, like it's pretty much like a night. This is like a 1968 version. Of or was that. that his wood shop project that he did on himself? It may because it kind of looks like it could be. You know, pads always looked enormous back in the day. They don't. That like he doesn't look too bad right there, does he? His pads might have been small, like, but most of those guys' pads were just they're just too big and they're loose. Right. The shirts were loose. We got that. We got uh, we got my dance for a chance where I was back to back champs. I'm holding the trophy oh, in yeah. the Zone Studios. You you participated in that. I didn't do well. You did. You danced to Mambo Number no. Five. And I'm upset that my teacher chose that song because <laughs> I was doing it for charity and was really excited about it. You'd won it, and she decides to play one of the top three most annoying songs. <laughs> From the '90s, and I didn't have the heart to st- stand up for myself what and say, "What are you gonna do?" You know, like you did "My Girl," and it was so good. And the year before, <sighs> what did I do? The, there was a year before I had a suit, one of those pseudo like one of those songs. You're like, give that song three years, and it's going to be the most annoying song in the world. <sighs> but yeah, what what you're dancing to makes a big difference. Because <laughs> if you're not feeling it, the audience if you're is not feeling definitely it, the not audience is it. not going to be feeling it. All I remember about the first time I did it, we I did the cha cha cha, and you know, so you got to hip, you got to really hip it. And I remember <laughs> I did the cha cha cha, and Trev Alberts was four feet from me, and you haven't lived until you cha 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 with your hip. Hey. And I locked eyes with Trev Alberts, and you could tell Trev was like. I want to sack you and just take you to the ground. Don't ever look me in the eye, Mr. Hips. <laughs> but sir, you look into another man's eyes while you're shaking your hips. Oh, it's a bad feeling. Especially for an <laughs> alpha male like Trev Alberts is. Oh, Trev, was it, it was really, really awkward. Okay, my friend, before we get into... You and I kind of had recruiting fever. Picked up a bottle of wine. We are going to finish this whole thing. It's funny you and I. Well, first of all, we got to get a sponsor this thing. So anybody out there wants to sponsor the specific wine pod? I mean, there's got to be some sort of. I mean, there's a if lot you, of possibilities. If you own a vineyard or know someone yes. owns a vineyard, we're looking for especially like a local, like a Nebraska or a Midwest vineyard that wants to wants to get a little pub for their wine. Because we're going to continue to do this. But so this is a the Maverick Pinot Noir. 
I don't know what this is, but it's it. The reason I was drawn to it is because of did you see Top Gun Two trailer? There's no Top Gun Two is 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 coming. Out. Oh, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> see, I, that's funny. You, I'll I rip figured, it. I, I'll rip it. <laughs> but let me just tell you, I got a, a Tom Cruise policy. If he's in it, you're there. I, I, people make fun of Tom Cruise, and I get it. Right? <laughs> There's reasons to make fun of Tom Cruise. But I'll pay. I'll pay to go watch Cruise in any movie. I mean, he's going to run in every movie. He's going to be on a, a dead is, is sprint, it, high knees, great form. And you know what? I'll pay the price of admission to see for it. The, for the Tom Cruise sprint. Just to see him run. What's the best Cruise movie? Before best ever? Before we pull the Maverick, oh, pull the Maverick here. I mean, Jerry Maguire comes to mind. Jer- is, you had me at hello. Do you start crying or what? I just think that movie You know what the best scene in that movie is? It's huh. not show me the money, although that's a good one, you know. And but that's one of those. You know what's too bad is sometimes and this happened. Anchorman, really popular scenes that pop culture yeah. and like people just have, have like they reenacted them so many times that they've ruined them. Yes. Like show me the money is one of those things. Every line in Anchorman just is like you've heard too much. It loses its luster. It truthfully does. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge believer in you know don't. Don't ruin things. Don't overplay. Like my fate, like Bruce Springsteen, my favorite artist ever. I go on year long hiatuses where I won't, I won't let myself listen to a song. I have East street radio in my car. I'll skip over it for a year. And then when you get back into it, cause Oh yeah. Okay. There's nothing quite like finding a new artist or song that you love, but you know what also is fun is when an artist that you've loved your whole life, for some reason, and I wonder why this is, like you haven't heard it in a while and you're hearing it and it's like you're enjoying it for the first time. It comes back to it you. It comes back to you. But if you've crossed the threshold of ruining it too badly, it will never be enjoyable again. Right. Right. You know what I, I always remember this about you. If you get into a song, oh. like if a new song comes out for a month, call it a month or two, you'll spin that thing a thousand times. Yes. And it, like, <laughs> I need to stop. I know. But anymore now, the older you get, it's harder to find a new song that you like. That's a weird thing about. Or getting does older. music suck now? It just isn't good. Uh, for the most part, it's not good. I mean, it's just not good. It's not right. It's are, we're not old people talking. Like we're just. I, it's not as good as it not once as good. was. I, now, because I think the music industry has fundamentally changed where it's like it's not about albums because that's not how people make money anymore, you know, with yeah. with streaming and all that. It's just changed. And so I think when you fundamentally change the music industry, you're going – like the idea that that's not going to have an impact on the music. I think it stifles creativity because it's you're, you're just trying to get the next hit. And you're just trying to push – it's just about it's – it's about quantity. Because it's like if you get enough stuff out there, it's yeah. gonna get. Because you just want to get street. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it, it's it, the music industry right now is in a weird place. I don't. I, I and maybe we're being too harsh on it, but but we're. But, I mean, it's it's probably classic two thirty-five year old males that are like, it's not like how it used to be, man. But at least we're not fifty-year-olds, saying we're thirty. So we're like heard, we're close I enough. I heard Rosillo had a great point on this kind of thought, where he was talking about his buddies, and they were like. Everybody was saying, like, yeah, Vegas has changed. It's just not as fun as it used to be. And he's like, no, it's not. Vegas hasn't changed. You've changed. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And, and, like, that maybe is true. 
Okay, here, here's what I'll argue. People in the people in the seventies, it was nineteen seventy. Every person in the world's like, music's never been better, and yes. they'd argue probably for that. In nineteen ninety, everyone's like, I like this stuff, but it's probably not as good as there. And I think in two thousand nineteen, I think unquestionably you go. The 70s and the 90s no one, are better point, than this. No one's arguing. When's the last time we have an argument with someone saying music now never, is the best? Never in the last 20 years. Some people in the 90s maybe are, could argue that. I, I I think most wouldn't in the 90s. I'm saying in the 70s, everybody was like, it doesn't get better than right now. I agree. That's There's something to that. Yeah. There's something to that. 60s it. and 70s, I feel like it was there was right. a peak of like, what? it was all new. It was all good. It was just amazing. And what then, is it about songs from like the 50s and 40s that lasted like a minute 35? I, those were potentially bad songs, is why. <laughs> but it was all like a doom ba dow, doo dow, doo ba dow, and that's our song. But and here, that was the song. But I will say, so if you were 20 years old in 1940, you know what song you want to dance to? That song. <laughs> You hear Elvis, you're like, Elvis is terrible. Uh, you want Badoo-Badoo. You? Badoo-Badoo. Big Bang, like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me finish my point on the best scene in Jerry Maguire. That's yeah. quite a tangent there. <laughs> we haven't even poured wine, Bo. Pour we need me. to pour wine. Pour me. We're 10 minutes in and we have not poured wine. That's not a good sign. That means us. the pod's going long. Oh, yeah. We're getting ready. Okay, here you go. Oh, great pour. Oh, does that sound good or what? That's okay. not a sound effect. That's just. Right, we got. I'm an even Steven kind of a guy here, so we got to make sure. Wow. That's exciting, right? <laughs> Is that what do we feel like? That's even Steven. That's Steven. All right, my friend. The suspension's killing. Cheers. Cheers. To Scott Frost and the 2020 recruiting class. I'll tell you what. And it's, it's a good one. But we're good. okay. Real quick, the best scene in Jerry Maguire. I think this is in Jerry Maguire. Now is when I'm panicking. Didn't he? He, he flew, got a big sale. He buzzed, he buzzed the tower. Yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> no that's Top Gun, Nick. He got yeah. he, he got it. He, so I can't remember now what led to it, but he was trying to find it. He was in a great mood and he was on the interstate and he was trying to find Find the song. Because yeah. we've all been there. When you're, you're open highway, you're in a good mood and they're like that right song. And Free Fallen was the perfect song. And he screamed it too. It is the, I, something about that scene. I loved. I actually had that moment with Mava this summer. We were in a really good mood driving home from Big Sandy Lake. Sun was setting, and she was she was talking and laughing. And I, I said, "You want to have some fun?" I put on Free Fallen. And you guys, we rolled the windows down, and we were yelling, and she was having a blast. Oh my god! Is that good or what? You know. Well, and actually, now that we think about it, it's a great segue because what was Jerry Maguire doing? He was recruiting. He got Kush. Yeah. He closed. He, well, he didn't close Kush, but he got a commitment from the Kush family. Perfect. His word was as good as Oak, if you remember. That is right. But then he he turned. He flipped on McGuire the night before the How draft. Big of a douche was Bob that? Sugar. Bob oh. Sugar was Miami today. That's what happened. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Bob Sugar was Miami. God, I couldn't remember. That's what. It, yes, that's exactly what that's it was. That's what it was. He went down to get Kush, sign yes. Kush in his because he had no clients, but he got Kush. Great movie. That is a good movie. It's a good one. Can I start the conversation 
because sometimes it's good to get into take a sip of that Tom Cruise Pinot Noir. That's pretty much what this is, right? <laughs> Oh yeah! No, don't spit it out. Are you gonna spit take it? Oh god! I got. It. We're good. Oh, you almost spit it out already. God, okay. First drink in too. Ooh, sorry about that. Is it good? I think it's good. It's pretty smooth. I couldn't taste it. I was. There's, I mean, uh, the war, war worlds, war of the worlds. You know what was good? Uh, was it Edge of Tomorrow? Sneaky good. Edge of, I mean, the Mission Impossibles are all f- kind of fun to watch. Yes. Um, but he's also got, you know, he did movies like, well, then he Cock- does. like I, I, I've watched Cocktail 40 yes. times. Uh, um, Rain Man. What's the, what's the movie? Oh, God. Risky Business? Is that Risky crazy? Business is one of his first good ones. Risky Business, because Phil Collins in the air tonight is when he... Gets down with the chick it's on a, the train. On the train, but that's a weird song for that because it's about somebody drowning. Yeah, that's not a that's not a song. We're like, anchor, why don't you come in here? And then you hit play, and it's like, doo, 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 doo. I think that's though, like, if you're on a train in the middle of the night, in New York, it's not a bad song <laughs> to have on. You said that song has been ruined by every football player before a game. I like the song, but we played it on, in 2007. We played in the air tonight. <laughs> And I'm not, you think I'm joking? You think I'm going to be joking? On repeat for an entire year in the locker room. So it would go on repeat Ooh, in that like hour before the game. That's not and I, I love the song before, like it just got. It got overplayed. And you know there's a song that year that Kanye like, bigger, faster, yeah, stronger. stronger. Or power? power like, yeah, the power. Yeah. It was, I heard that. A thousand times that year too, and I was like, yeah. "Can't like it anymore. I'm sick of it. There's nothing. There's nothing for me." Oh, but that's what I watched. Risky Business and was like, "Really? Phil Collins in the air tonight?" As T. Cruz is getting his freaking caboose game right. <laughs> you know, oh, there's God. a lot of reasons why you like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. Hundred percent fact, my man. All right, do you want? Are you ready for my? I'm ready. Okay, let's get here's this. my. I always like to have a big, broad thought, and then you kind of then you can get specific. I text my man Matthew Richard Schick. Schick was anchoring the ESPN signing day coverage all day, and Schick is like, dude is immersed in this stuff. Like he is really because he's been doing this for a stretch of years. With ESPNU, they really they they have they knock that whole, stuff and he does yeah. the Under Armour like he, he'll be the guy that be like, all right, Teddy, where are you gonna go? It's like, uh, I decided I'm gonna go to <laughs> Tennessee. And you're like, all right, Teddy, that's great. <laughs> I'm decided I'm gonna go to Harvard and I'm, okay. <laughs> okay, we go to Harvard. That's what they need in the Ivy League. One more. Real talent. Oh, God. Oh, those are so bad, are they not? <laughs> oh, it's so awkward. They're so dumb. Oh, I don't know why. Right. Where are you going to go? Go to Stanford. We go to Stanford, huh? Yeah, go to Me go to Stanford. Okay, good. That's, that's good for you. Uh, this is Rocco from Illinois. <laughs> Rocco, uh, where to? Uh, I'm gonna go to 
Uh. <laughs> Rocco doesn't know, everyone doesn't Rocco's know. Rocco's still undecided. Come back after the break. Rocco no. will tell you where he's going to college. <laughs> we'll be back. I don't know how Schick does it. Schick had a great moment with Emmett Smith's dad, or Emmett Smith today. Did you see that? No, I just saw that his kid signed with Stanford. Yes, and you know, he asked, like, Emmett, hey, is this... You know, is this weird for you, him not following your footsteps? And Emmett had a great answer. Like, this is his life. This is his journey. Like, yeah. it was like a perfect Emmett Smith answer. But, okay, wow. We are, this is not good for how long we're going to be here. But, so I text Schick. I said, recording a wine pod football signing day with Bo tonight. Any thoughts on how Nebraska did today? Seems like they did pretty damn good. He responds, this is Schick. I think they had the best day of any Big Ten school in terms of finishing well. Met a lot of needs. 13 states for 24 commits. Shows the effort it will take to continue to do what they are doing because of geographical disadvantages. Bottom line, they have the best class in the Big Ten West, and that should be the minimum standard for Nebraska. I think that's a perfect way to, like... Sum oh, it, up, right? it, it is, and and here's the thing. I mean, did you see Scott Frost? He looked tired. Oh, he looked Ryan like held. I was watching something with Ryan. Ryan held looked like. I mean, are they doing sleep deprivation training? I mean, because those guys looked freaking tired. But that tells you they've been working hard. But Nick, let me just say, those guys just put together, and I think we've been kind of top twenty. It's going to be around oh, that 20. twenty. It could be nineteen. It could be twenty-one. Basically, it's a top twenty class. It's a top twenty-ish class. After we had two rough seasons, where Scott's sort of the you would think the shine has been knocked That's what off. We're worried about throughout the whole year. The whole year we're going, man. It's going to be hard to recruit, and they went out and they dominated the Big Ten West in recruiting, and. I was a little shocked these last, especially two weeks. Yes. These two weeks were, like, huge because they, they ended the season poorly and they turned around and sort of, you know, nutted up and said, we got to get this done. And, I mean, we get we can go into a lot of these guys. But it, I, it, it's – I'm telling you, it's impressive. So, up to 10 four-stars, is that what it is? Uh that one, could be. Two, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten and four stars. I wasn't sure they had this is this is on signing day, the eighteenth, and I, I think they were maybe gonna take one more player. I don't know if they have. I I, I It looks like not. Xavier Betts, the kid from Bellevue, hasn't it looks like yet at least what I'm looking at right now hasn't signed yet, but he's a four star. Uh you know, it's it's uh I think Schick put it well, and you talk to anybody that's kind of in the recruiting sphere. Two weeks ago, there was kind of no momentum. There, They didn't have a lot of guys committed in the class, and it felt like things were spiraling. And the way they finished to not only – and it's it's one of those things where – yeah, you know, everyone's all fired up on signing day. But it just, this, somebody, t- today felt different to me. Because we we went down to the wire with five to seven guys. And I don't think that's happened with us. We've always had like maybe one or two we were sort of in the mix for one of those decisions on. And this year it was more guys. There was, there was call it seven guys that were like, these are our big targets. We really want to get them. We need them. And we delivered on like, Five of them. Yeah. 
you know, we were and we were pulling these dudes out of Florida that were like Miami, like sure things in the past. And I mean, those are awesome wins. That defensive back, the receiver, um, the, you know, there's another receiver out of Atlanta. I mean, those guys are positions we need badly right now. And to get those guys away from those Florida schools, I mean, that's so impressive. That's so. I think one of the things before we get into specific guys, like obviously there's a lot of legwork that's done by Travis Fisher, uh, Ryan Held, your brother, Mari Overdusco, Troy. Like a lot of the assistants are the boots on the ground doing stuff, but like ultimately the head man has to be able to close it and and be really good. Close is the 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 right word. And I think it's pretty clear. I think he's a pretty good Scott Frost. Is a pretty good recruiter. Because well, Nick, here's the thing: is he he walked in here right now. The one thing that nobody can deny is the guy's got major presence. Yes, he he keeps it real, but the dude's got presence. He's got the credibility. He's got the coaching clout. He's got the former player clout. I mean, he's got everything you need to be a good recruiter. And but he has that presence on top of it. That's like, look. Like this is this is it. He'll yes. lay it out to people, and the kids believe him. You yes. can hear it. They're like, "I met with him, and he told me what where I'd fit." And they're like, <laughs> "They believe it, right?" right. It's not sm- like like a blowing smoke, like some coaches might say, like where it's just like, "You're going to go to the NFL. You're going to be great." Like he he tells them exactly where they fit, and kids believe it. And I, I'm telling you, and it's too bad that you, I mean, you, your story of how you committed. On the spot to Frank Solit. Do you want to give that story? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it's funny because I watch these kids and we'll get into this, like some of these kids coming down the wire and right. they almost like, so like Nebraska about ran out of spots today. Like there's, there was yeah, like seven or so eight many, guys yeah. and they had five spots on the day. Right. So like some of these kids, I'm like, I mean, I think even one Juco kid, they just said like, they just said, sorry, we can't take you. Right. So. That happens, right? So, like, you should commit early and be like, "I'm in," right? But so for me, I I was, I was 16 years old. My I was just finishing my sophomore year. I just finished and we, we went to camp, and I had a really so good. So this was June, June, yes. June of after my sophomore, sophomore year. year, and I had a really good camp. But I was not thinking, no chance I was going to get a scholarship or anything. And Frank Solich called me up during, like, warmups. Like we were just the last day, yeah. we were stretching, and he called me up and he said. And he just, you know, small talk, and he offered me a scholarship on the field. Like, it, like everybody was around, and I was just like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, see these kids wait, you know, to the last yes. second. I was 16, and I was so thrilled that he would oh. even consider that. I was almost like, I'll take it. No take backs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like, it's like mine. You, it's, it's mine. Yeah. And he was like, Don't, well, you should go home and think about it, talk with your parents. And I was like, no, no, I'll take it. <laughs> That was it. And I was I was the youngest commit ever, but I, I didn't have to think about recruiting for the next two years. I just done with it. But I Which, see these kids now. I'm like, man, I wouldn't like going down to the wire. Not I hated knowing. it, man. Like I, I had a weird, I was a weird, I had a weird whole process, but like, it's not, I'm, I'm sometimes surprised at kids that want to take it to the, down to the wire. That's, that's my point. So you were a kid that had scholarship I offers because I, I was but waiting you, on Kansas pretty Yeah, much. you were waiting for Kansas, but you had to you ended up being walk on at the best 
basketball school yeah, back, in the back country. Final fours. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or you go take a scholarship elsewhere. That's a real dilemma that you're you're waiting yes. out. Yeah. But some of these kids have the option, or they think they have the option, and then they wait to the last minute for the show of it. I just and I'm just like, man, that's a risk that you know maybe you won't get to go to the school that you really wanted to right. by waiting. Right. And so it's weird. But you, because I remember, I remember, I, I mean, you probably called me right away because I think you and I went to the pool, of course, because it was summer and that's, that's what we right. do. That's right. Chicken strips to go to the pool. <laughs> and I remember you, you came in and I, I could take you to the spot at the snack bar, the table where you, like, we talked about it, and it was like it was, it was shocking. It was you shocking, were like, but what? it also was like, well, yeah, of course you took, you took it on the spot. You take it. You, you just, Why would you not take it? Yes. And so, but the thing that's that's interesting is that you. Because of that, you skipped out on all the the recruit, and it's it was yeah. funny to sit, in, and you field these calls from different coaches, and you talk to them, and it's like you can tell there's something. Because listen, it's no different than you're in sales. It's like it's people, you know. And there's some people that just have a believability, a credibility, and an ease to them that is huge in recruiting and i think frost has all those things yeah and 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 so i think the first thing like i think that guy is like you get him in you get him one-on-one with dudes you get him in the living room and he knows exactly what to say in an authentic because you know that's the one thing i keep hearing from him just in practice is he he's as a coach he always knows the right thing to say at the right time. And you could take that from coaching on the field and take that right to the living room. That's that's a yes. skill that like some coaches, that's not really their strength. They're X's and no guys. Yeah. They're good at that. Um, but that skill of being able to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it, he has that. And that is why I think you're seeing in recruit like he wasn't just getting guys that wanted to come here. He was getting guys to decommit. They would come to Nebraska. Like, if we could get them on campus, they were decommitting. Right. And then he was, pull, you know, pulling. I do think, because how many of the Florida State kids did they end up pulling? Just one or two? One Florida State guy, and then they, they got two guys that were, like, Miami, like, had yeah. committed to Miami before, and then they decommitted. It's good to see that clearly they still have a presence in Florida, because that matters. Because, mm-hmm. like Schick said, with the geographical disadvantage, they're going to need to go – elsewhere and and take kids out of recruiting hotbeds and it it makes logical sense that it would be florida given the central florida thing and all that stuff but but i do think the connections in florida make it's, a huge difference it's going to be their it's going to be one of their staples i i i know that urban meyer made a great point when they interviewed him about nebraska and some of the problems with recruiting he said you know going from the big 12 to the big 10 was a he thought was a very difficult move for Nebraska because forever we played a lot of games in Texas and Oklahoma, right? So mm-hmm. you'd play four or five games a year in between those two. And so kids from Texas and Oklahoma would be able to go, their families would be able to go to the games. And so Nebraska was in that pool, right? And as soon as we left there, we lost Texas essentially. And so getting Florida is going to be so critical for us going forward to just fill that need of like the the skill positions, the speed, like that stuff that we're not finding in the 500 mile radius. We used to get a lot of it from Texas, yes, a, lot. a lot. And so Texas is just a little bit harder pull than it used to be. So now it's going to be 
Florida is going to have to be our pipeline. I think this recruiting class was the first to be like, wow, like, like clearly we are actually tapping that pool now. And don't you think it's clear that you know you wondered how much the the two struggling seasons would matter? And it's weird, like clearly, because that was one of the last things you and I talked about in our two-part Iowa recap pod that lasted three hours. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you go listen to it. Two parts. Two parts. But one of the things we talked about was like, okay, what, they struggled down the stretch, you know, they, two straight years of the bowl, how much, you know, how much does this impact recruiting? I mean, clearly, clearly there's still, like, Nebraska still has a little cachet and Frost still has a little bit of shine to it. Yeah, that uh, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but I think I am a little bit. I'm a little surprised. With, with the way we finished, I mean, I wasn't surprised with the way we started because we still didn't – last year didn't matter. We finished well, and in the summer we were still a hot ticket. But towards the end of the year, I thought, man, it's going to be hard to finish strong. And that was the, that was the highlight of our recruiting was yeah. our finish, which I thought this finish is going to be terrible. Brutal. So I, I I am kind of shocked at how well we did. And it's really been two weeks since the season ended. It's like we've been on fire. It, and, and that's good to see. Uh, so do we want to get into the needs that, that, that were met? Or do you want well, to get into the... Yeah, because it's a unique class. It's unlike any class I think Nebraska's ever had. Because it's basically... It's a lot of JUCOs. It's a, it, the last two months of our recruiting, we basically said... We started playing a season and we went... Uh oh, and they changed everything. Probably how they recruited and said we got to fill these two needs, Nick, or three needs, right? Outside linebacker, receiver, and defensive line. We basically said, shut it all down. We got to get some of those guys, right. and it's and a big chunk of that's going to be JUCO, which is not typically what Nebraska does. Frost but- even said that in his press conference. He goes, "We we'll get to the point at some time in our with the program where we're not having to." Go the JUCO route. So clearly, that's an insight that, like, yeah. you don't want to. You don't necessarily want to go that route. No, you don't. And, uh, but it's it's so obvious though that we have huge holes in a few positions, like serious holes that you don't normally have in any program. For some reason, those positions, like they just they weren't recruited well before they got here, and then Frost's first two years. Those guys didn't recruit well. No. In my opinion. Yeah. Right? So we don't have any – we had, went through a season where nobody could get open and catch the ball and a season where nobody could rush the passer. That's a problem. That's a major problem. Yeah. So I, I see now just in the last half an hour, I think we we just got that that last Juco D defensive end who I, we were kind of expecting to get. Johnny um, pass rusher? He – Yeah. He, what's that? Johnny Pass Rush. Johnny Pass Rush. Yeah. <laughs> His name's Phil Darius. So that, um, Love him. But anyway, he, uh, I, I actually looked up this guy before. I know he is. He's, he's a bigger bodied sort of ready to go guy. I think he's a guy that has two years to play two, which means that like, You're not you don't around. bring You're him developing in. It. On, yeah. There's no development. Right. So that, they actually, I think a guy that they were going to, as a Juco guy, they were going to develop is now is not even going to make the cut. I think he's a guy that they just said, sorry, like we don't have enough spots for you. Right. But this guy is getting in because he can contribute. So that tells you they got two guys from Juco that can contribute a defensive end and pass rush. And then two young 
pass rushers that they can develop that are could be potentially good. So that's four guys to rush the passer, and then they got a couple of a big D tackles. One of them's a JUCO D tackle. So um, that's telling you something that they are saying we need a full fledged rebuild because that's my analogy has always been is recruiting is like you're hungry and you need food. High school, getting high school kids is like going to the grocery store and getting all the different ingredients and then taking it home and cooking the meal yourself. It's going to take a little time. It takes planning. It takes all that. But Juco is like going to Burger King or going to Runza. or Pulling like the, the, microwave the, the microwave dish like, out of the freezer, throw it in, hit the you button. You need it now. Yep. Now it's not... You can't. We all know a diet of that. Sa- is saute, gotta saute the tomatoes, <laughs> and we gotta slow. None of that. There's none of that. Just take it out, and it takes seven hours to breathe. You gotta breathe it. Let, let it, it breathe. sit on a windowsill for 14 days, and you'll love it. And then it'll be ready to be <laughs> marinated, and then after that is when it'll be ready to be finely flambéed. That, that is that is what high school recruiting is. You know, yeah. like, but JUCO is. That sandwich that you need before you're going to get on a three-hour flight that's like, oh God, I guess I'll eat this sandwich. This is horrible. Or, but, that, but basically, it's not an ideal scenario, but it gets you through in the, in the situation. But with that said, Omar Manning doesn't seem quite like a whopper. He seems like a <laughs> – you know what I mean? Like – he seems <laughs> to stick with the. He seems like he's like a. What's the greatest fast food you've ever eaten? I mean, I feel like it's sacrilege in this state to go against Runza. It's like uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I know what you mean though. Yeah, he he is, but he doesn't seem like your your typical JUCO guy. Well, he's because he's the number one ranked JUCO receiver in the country. So that makes you just like you're still just like. One of the guys, right? And he's just 6'3", 215. Big. Well, what did we what did we say the last one about the guys that we... Uh... <laughs> Nebraska has far too many wide receivers who shop at the baby gap. <laughs> all right? Because they're, they're all, right? It seems like they're all five foot one little, little you know, scat back guys. 150 you know? like, pounds. Yeah. There's nobody that we needed more than that. Like, if you could have said, like, what do you think Nebraska needs to recruit in the in the perfect world you would have drawn that guy up six, like, they four, need a ready-made seriously if you would have said you like, can't do it any better than the that. christmas spirit if scott frost went to santa and said oh what do you want scott <laughs> frost i want a, a six four six three big bodied receiver that can come in and make an impact right away oh well good news here's yeah. Omar Manning. you've been a good boy this year but that's what it that's what this feels like it, it did you watch his film yeah yeah, I mean he he's like he's one of those guys. He looks big on film, and he can block too. So yeah. don't don't underestimate how important that is. Is like you found out like we love Wandale, but don't make Wandale be the blocker. No, you know. So like when you got too many Wandales, the run game gets a little harder. Right. So just like little things like that. When you're six four two twenty, you can do that. Or you know what you can do in the red zone. You can just take the thinking out of it. You can just do a little. Just throw it up. was one of the biggest issues with Nebraska this year? Red zone. Red zone offense. And, like, a big-bodied wide receiver can change that. Yeah. So, this guy, like, all of a sudden, because then we add two guys that are shorter receivers. Uh, 
the Fleming and I believe his name is Alante Brown. Is that the guy? He's. It looks like he's from Connecticut. He went to a Where's prep the school. Cat from Atlanta. Is he from Atlanta? He's from Chicago, and he went oh, prep okay. school. So he was the number one prep school receiver, and he's a guy that played quarterback in high school. He's more of like a Wandale type. That's right. That's and right. I saw his film. He's really good. Looks yeah. really good. The Fleming kid. He's like the state champion in the hundred in Florida, which means like you're not fast, you're Florida fast, which is like, <laughs> like, <laughs> cut to a Nebraska kid, like you know, getting past. You're like, okay, no, here it is. <laughs> Nebraska kids are just Mario running. Florida fast is Mario with a star. Yeah, get the star on. You're like, like that's pretty much what this is. But and it was Fleming the kid that was on the state championship team in Florida. Yeah. Yep. I mean. God, so he seems like you're on a winning team, and like so. So the one thing is like you don't know sometimes those really fast guys. Like, do they got the skill right? Because right. it's not just about like. But Usain Bolt wouldn't work in the because at yeah, some point so, you got to be able to like play football. I feel so much better about Fleming and Brown with Manning because they complement him. They all do something a little different. Right. So if Manning's the real deal, then it's like you just need one of those two guys to be good. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in a like a fly in the wall of like what those conversations were like between Frost and, and Omar Manning. I think, I mean, honestly, I, it probably didn't take much selling. It probably took like, dude, look at our team. Look at oh, what our, you know, like it is pretty obvious oh, that I, he is, every kid wants to be needed. It's like that kid is, he, he's needed here more than any other big program in the country. And his impact will be greater. Than in any program he can go to. I think he's the, if I had to circle one guy that is the most important for next year in this class, that's the guy I would. Circle. What's hard is though, is you still don't know. Like, is he good? Oh, you don't know. You just don't know. So like, right. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, he he's checks most important. I'm not saying I guarantee he'll be good, but he would be the guy that I would think like is yeah. the most that they need him to be good. But hand to God, I'll say this. If you're going to miss, you miss in this moment on receiver with a 6'4", 220, that's the number one rated Juco right. receiver in the country. If you miss doing that, you can there is no you, you can live with it because you go, ah, there's nobody that could know that thing because that is the absolute perfect like thing you need, and it's a big-bodied guy. I, I'd much rather miss on the 6'4 guy than the 5'6 guy the baby gap. The baby gap. Or the baby gap. Shut up with the baby gap. <laughs> yeah. like, like, is that Jensen, baby gap? We got the baby gap again. It's like, Great yeah. deal, sir. <laughs> but, okay, so you, uh, you've clearly been watching, like, tape on these guys. Uh, what? Give me the guy on tape that you've – is there someone I'll, – I'll stretch this question out so you can kind of think. Like, is there is there someone that you really like on tape? Um, I like – a lot of the linebackers, actually. Okay, because so, yeah, that was what I was going to ask you about the backers at some point. But So the Keyshawn Green's the kid that was Florida State commit. Okay. He was like me. He went to commit to Florida State as a sophomore. and or for, He's and been he there kissed, for like two he years. he kissed a girl for the first time. Yeah, and then he was like, oh, my God. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so anyway, he had, never, he had never been out of Florida, never been on a plane, never seen snow. So Willie Taggart gets fired after two years, and right. this is why you don't fire coaches. This kid finally opens up recruiting because of that. He's like, well, whatever. We keep our coach and give him an extension. Our coaches get this kid up here. Just say, just get to Nebraska. 
Just all you got to do is just get to Nebraska. He's never been on a plane before. You're kidding me. He comes to Nebraska, absolutely loves it. Loves snow. I mean, it's just, it's, it was one of those things where Nebraska was almost like they, they had been in contact with this kid. They knew him. Did he come for the Wisconsin game? Uh, no, they, he came last he came, weekend. Oh, okay. Like they got him in the last week, minute. the last minute before signing day. And they get him up there and he loved it. So they, he, he actually, the coaches kind of had been recruiting him and knew him a little bit from okay. being in Florida. But I mean, Nick, the guy's been recruited for, I mean, he's been committed for two years and this dude can fly. Like he's one of those guys that is, he's, he's going to be a little raw, but he just like he closing fly. speed. Right. He can hit, he can tackle like he's a natural tackler, and he's like 6'3", but looks like he runs like a guy who's 150 pounds. Oh. That's that's the type of guy he is. And so you kind of know, like, if this if this guy can put it all together, we're talking not just like, oh, he'll be an okay player. Like, if he puts it all together, he's an All-American. Like, right. that's the difference between this guy and, like, just some, just other, some other guy. guy. So you got a guy. His ceiling is super high. That's what I'm saying. It's like you don't know how this guy will do when you make him like learn a learn a defense, read an offense, and right. do the right thing every day. Like that's that's un, every one of these guys. We don't know that, but when it comes to physical ability and like the stuff you see when you watch their film, you're like, oh, like not many people on the planet do it like that. So like, okay, he, that's exciting. You got me crunk for Keyshawn. Well, I am. I mean, that the guy the guy is was not even on the radar and all of a sudden we get arguably the top two or three guy in our, I mean, probably our third most important recruit. Right. Is that guy. Is he an outside backer? He'll play inside to okay. start. Okay. He'll probably play inside with the potential to occasionally just like go get him, right? Okay. Go on the edge. Remember the, like way DeMario did? Yeah. I see him as a DeMario Williams. Okay. Come nice. in, ball out. And we'll put you on the edge a couple times a game and just see what you can do. That to me is what I see in that guy. Okay. Give it, okay. What any other backer jump like, out at you? The other fun story is the kid from Samoa, America Samoa. Yeah, Mu, uh, Ativa uh, Magua. Maga. Yeah, Magua. He he was a 160 pound cornerback coming off the rock. Like <laughs> speaks Samoan. Right. I think English is his second language. Not even a joke. And he goes to Juco, freaking sprouts up. Right, because he's listed at 6'2", 210. Right yeah, now. and he's like one of those guys that like all of a sudden gets bigger. They move him to linebacker. He's smashing people. He's a run and just smash you, dude. Yeah. But quick twitch, like explosive. Came out of nowhere. Those late bloomers. like, And, and that's part of what Nebraska is, what we have to get. We have to get the best late bloomers because the big-time five-star guys are like – Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, even some of those Georgia. Guys, yeah, those, they're they're already they look fully grown. Well, already, they are, right? and they've been recruited by those guys for three, four years. Right, and so like Nebraska has not been able to even get in the mix with those guys. So we've been hitting these like late bloomers like this guy, um, and so he's a guy that's so interesting because yeah. he just you, he could be another guy that could be an NFL guy at minimum though. Put him on special teams to start out, and let, let him go run, run around. Yeah. And like our special teams get better tomorrow with that guy. So okay, so those two guys are big for the inside, and then we got this kid, this Jamari Butler, who's a basketball dude. 
Razor so I know Nick Ba is excited. All in on Jamari Butler. But he's he also went to Nick Ba pass rush camp. He comes off the edge. He comes hard. off the edge. I don't want any inside moves. Never. I want a hard off the edge rush. But he's like 6'5", and he's got a quick first step. So, like, you start there, and there's not many guys on planet Earth that do that well. 6'5", six, six yeah, get five. off quick. He's got. He just needs to put on about thirty pounds, right? And will this dude's for real? So he looks really good. So those guys, I'm really excited about. Now the weird thing is, like, I think those guys' potential is more than maybe the the two JUCO guys we got for DNs. Mm-hmm. But those guys were brought in because, like, we need somebody that can physically play now. And I don't know if the other guys are physically and mentally ready. You know what I'm saying? You just they never know. They're freshmen. They're going to be freshmen or like the Magua guys, you know, he likes it. He's just, he's just kind of growing into everything. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how, especially those pass rushers, what happens with the pass rushers. I think the linebackers, they got two seniors and the young, talented guys will start sprinkling in. But I think those outside guys, it's like who can get to the passer it's going to be the fun thing to see. So who do you think is the most ready-made to rush the passer next year? I have a feeling this Phil Darius Payne and this Nico uh, – is yeah, it Nico, Cooper? Yeah. Nico Cooper? I don't got it in front of me. Nico, Nico Cooper. Correct. So Nico Cooper. Kansas. So he's the other guy. They say he's got – I mean, he's got – he's six. He's got great, like, the uh, pass the rusher Phil build. Darius Payne is 6'2", 270. So he's a bigger, thicker guy, but a little bit shorter. Where Nico's taller, he went longer. To bull rush camp. He went to bull rush camp. That's not Nico camp. went to to Nick Ba. Yes. Edge rusher camp. That's all I want. Okay, before we let's. <laughs> Tom Cruise, Pinot Noir. We need some more of. I feel like I was just going off. No, this is like you got me pumped right now. Yeah. You got me real pumped. Need some more Tom Cruise, Pinot Noir, my friend. Okay, I got a question for you. Give it to me. Have you looked at these running backs at all? I watched a little of, uh, is it Sevion? Yeah. I like what I saw. I, I, I thought Sevion was good. And then there, there was the other guy, Scott. Yeah. Frost said, is it uh, Scott's physically ready to he, physically ready to go? And he said Sevion is a, is a complete back. Yeah. Because he made a comment that, you know, so often this, what Frost said was like, so often this year, we had to sub in certain guys to do certain things at running back, which was pretty evident, right? Yeah. That's why you saw Wyatt Mazur. People are like, why is Mills not in at the end of the game? It's like, well, Cleveland Mills struggles yeah. when it's like a passing down. Yeah. You know? And it sounds like Flem- or, uh, Scott and, or excuse me, Morrison is a guy that can kind of do all do it all. I But did you, have you watched, I mean, you were a running back in high school. So I feel yeah, like you. Morrison's got like, he's got ability. You know, he he's really good. Um it's funny. I think Morrison's. If you say who's better, like Morrison's better, right? But who is going to maybe play more next year? Scott is a guy that might actually see the field more early, just because he's physically like he's a power lifter guy, and he's maybe not as talented. But for what we need that we don't have is like guys that can go get tough yards right now. It's Mills and nobody else on the roster right now. Right. Like you saw it. Like if Mills went down, it's like we can get no tough physical yards. And this Scott kid, at least like I think you can trust that he'll go run hard. So inside the tackles physically. So who – so do we – because one of the things you and I talked about last time was figuring out who – I think we said they need to – 
find an every down running back and we said there's a chance that guy's not on the team yet is one of these two is Fleming closer so closer to uh these two guys are closer to that I think than anybody on the roster I mean Mills is gonna think it better next year yes um he got I do think we gotta give him like that dude got from the South Alabama game to the to the Wisconsin and Iowa games he took huge strides yeah and so if he keeps making strides he'll I think he'll probably be the starter but these two guys, like if you say when they, because I don't know if they'll be ready. Like, let's be real. When you you're, never know. You, you got to remember when you're a freshman, it's just like, it just all gets so much harder when you're like, you're thinking and everybody's stronger than because, you. Because at this time last year, every, like every, com- the conversation we're having is what people said about Ramir Johnson, about Ronald Tompkins, you know, like exactly. every year that these conversations come up. So the cynical people that are listening to this pod probably the whole time. Yeah. You can take everything we're saying with a grain of salt. Like and and uh, let's preface. We should have prefaced this entire podcast with like, who the hell knows? Well, uh, you know Nick, what I mean. And, like, and that's there why there is no such thing so, as a sure thing. So when I say like, who can come in and play as a freshman? I'm expecting most of these guys to not play. Someone said today. Now, someone got on the field obviously because of the new redshirt rule. Twenty-two of the twenty-five freshmen on Nebraska's roster redshirted this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's see, but that's what. We've talked about what type of program Nebraska needs to be. They need to be, and I've talked to, I actually talked about Chick about this in the last pod I did with him. Like, they need to be a developmental program where they are bringing guys in, they're redshirting them, they're developing them. And by the time they're redshirt sophomores, redshirt juniors, that's, you know, they're ready to go. And so, listen, it's one of those things. I think the whole thing, everyone, and I'm not telling anybody that anything they don't already know, but take this entire conversation like a movie trailer for a movie that comes out in two years. You're really excited about it. Now there might be, you know, you might not be able to see the movie for two years, but it doesn't doesn't mean you don't need to be excited about it right now. No, I I think the part you get excited about is you see like the 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 ceiling, like like I, like I talked about this Jamari Butler, like oh he's got a great first step, he's six five, like. And it's it's real special attributes he's showing, but I will also say like, do I expect to even see him on the field next year? I don't. I don't right. expect to even see right. him play one play next year. Right. So now, when you talk about these JUCO guys, like if you're a two, you bring in for you know this Payne and Nico. They need. I, I actually do expect those guys like. To somewhat be ready to go because I agree physically they should be a little bit closer, and like we're not bringing in here to develop you for three years. Like we're bringing in here because like we think you can come, either start or be the next wave of backup to come in and sort of you know, you know give relief to the starters. So we're expecting these JUCO guys to be one A or or one B. You know, like it it doesn't make sense. To, to bring these guys if they're they're not going to do that then they're just wasting you know wasting the chance to develop potentially better players it's it's not always fun to talk about o linemen but I, I get the sense the the Cochran kid from Kansas was a big I think Frost called him today like the cornerstone of the class he, he's if you were to just on paper he's the best player on the six class. six 270 from Lawrence Kansas looks mean and tough what you got to have you know we've talked like there's a direct correlation between like all conference offensive linemen not being prevalent and not a lot of championships so you need you need that 
Um, got another kid. Got two from Kansas. Got Alex Kahn from Derby, Kansas. So you got two alignment uh, in this class. Uh, Blaze Gunnerson is a D, is a is a D lineman from Iowa. Uh, how about what the the polar bear Nash? Nash Hutchmaker, Hutchmaker, or whatever it is, from South Dakota. First of all, did you see what they did on their recruiting trip or on the, the that's, visit? That's Scott Frost's wet dream for a recruiting visit because those guys don't get enough vacation, so they get to have he got to get, he, two birds, one stone there. Yeah, he got to go have a little vacation. And, you know, I don't think he's worried about Hutmatcher decommit. It's like yeah. I think guys like Hutmatcher are easy for him to just be like, "You're in, right? Okay, let's go hunting and just." <laughs> I don't have to call you every day. They went out and hunt. Like listening to Frost, you can tell. Like when he starts, when he started describing the hunting process, it was like you could tell you're like, oh yeah, you're a Nebraska boy from Wood River, Nebraska. That basically like your idea of a good time is going hunting and fishing. I I mean everybody like there's a lot of people in Western Nebraska who's like Scott Frost, you're my hero. <laughs> you're my hero. But the picture. The picture of those guys hunting. I'm not a hunter. I know that may shock people, but you've been that, like Tony, Tony, because uh, Tony, I think was just walking with. Him. I don't think he. Did. I don't even know if he was shooting anything. It would have been Frost would have lost all respect for me as a man if I'd have been on that trip. Here's what I say: I don't hunt that often, but me and my dad go hunting maybe once a year, and we got to take you sometime. It is snick. It's so much fun. You would be surprised how fun it is. Like if you've never hunted, I've only shot to, a gun once. Let's see. That would be South well, Central LA. Yeah, South, dude, was, yeah. dude, was, dude came it up on me. I said, what's up, son? It was a gap. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we, it uh, was, they killed my friend, Ricky. He was going to USC. Ricky had, what was he eating? He had groceries. <laughs> I remember this story. That's right. Your friend Ricky got killed. That's right. My friend Ricky got killed. And you got revenge that night. Uh, yes, I did. I did. I went and I went and get, went to a burger joint and got revenge. But that's my. Experience I picked with you up gun. in the low rider. <laughs> we went looking for him. Uh, but I fired a gun. I couldn't believe the only time I've sh- I've like went to like a shooting like it. My prevailing thought was how inaccurate every movie is of like. People, you could be like ten yards. Like, I'm not sure to, if an intruder hey, came in. I feel like, like you know, what the target? most accurate scene ever in the history of cinema is is Harry Dunn in Lloyd and Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber when he popped up and he tried to shoot what's his name and missed him a bunch of times and was like, Harry, you're alive! And a horrible <laughs> shot. A horrible but that's, shot. But, that, but that's. When you get a target in front of you and it's, you know, 15 yards away and it seems like, oh, yeah, just shoot right in the – and you can't even hit. Like, no. in your – it's amazing because you're like – you see yourself down the scope, like – Yes. Or down right on the dot and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm right on it. And you're not anywhere close. It's <laughs> – what it, – it's, so any movie that's like, you know, the housewife that was like, I got a gun. Don't make me do it. Well, and they're and hitting – picking off somebody. Yeah, they're like, hitting moving targets for yeah, a while. I'm like, like – no way it's a tough shot or i always see like uh you know i think it was like american gangster and they were like shooting you know clay pigeons in the backyard and 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 denzel denzel's like holds it down there like does a no look and pops this thing like holding it down on his waist i'm like you couldn't hit anything if you shot at your waist you you gotta be you know if you don't have good form it's really hard to hit something 
So yeah, movies are bad with how hard it is to they, actually it, shoot. It, there's a lot of things that are inaccurate with movies, but like I'm not so sure the ability to shoot a gun accurately needs to get portrayed a little bit better. Let's be critical of that the rest of our lives. I mean, because it's ridiculous. And it, it honestly took me shooting a gun once to be like, oh my God. I never will believe another movie in my life. Uh, okay, so. But no, I'll take you hunting sometime. And I we'll, need to go. I'll it's go. fun to watch the dogs. So the dogs work the field. The funnest part's watching the dogs. I don't want to shoot birds because I don't want to shoot like a deer. I feel bad. Like, Deer's my a dog. I've never done deer, but it just seems like the cleanup of it and like dragging it. I'm like, birds you just kill, throwing your. Throw in your in your pocket. You just yeah. Like, you throw, throw in, in your pocket. pocket. You have like a big pocket in the back. You throw it in the back. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't want to kill a deer though. I'd feel bad. I wouldn't make a kill. No, I'll kill. I'll kill a. What? What did they? What pheasant. Did, uh, pheasant hunting. What is that? When Nash? Is that what they went shot? Dan Quail. <laughs> quail hunting. <laughs> they went Dan Quail hunting. <sighs> you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to help me out. Okay. You know what we didn't get to? Hmm. We got a bunch of more stuff to get to. Jaden Francois, the the oh funnest thing the, of the day, the most it was really the hot like highlight or low light of the day, depending on how you want to. Put so it. what did because we both saw it live, correct? And I actually yeah. So what I, did you think though? When what did you think happened in the moment? I thought my first thought was I was thinking these moments that there is family drama that a lot of like I thought it, my first thought was he wants to go to Nebraska. Nobody else in his family wants him to go to Nebraska. Oh, okay. That was my first thought. Especially, gotcha. I'm like, you got a Florida kid because it was Miami and Nebraska. My first thought was, this kid wants to go to Nebraska. Nobody else in his family wants him to do that. And, and it's just a huge thing. Uh, what did you think? So I thought it was this, like the situation we were talking about. You know, I said I committed early and I'm glad I didn't have to go through. I thought that it was one of those things where somebody called him. And said, "Hey, sorry, we don't. We're out of scholarships for you. Like we can't take you." So I thought whoever he wanted to go to, whether it was Miami or Nebraska, it's pretty early in the morning too. And so I, that's where I so didn't know. So was he baking eggs, and they were like, yeah. "Oh God, scholarship? What? What?" You know, but see, I didn't know. I thought the only thing that could have happened in my mind was that the team he wanted to go to said, "Sorry, we can't take you," and he was all set for it. And he had the Miami hat out there, so I thought I thought he was going to go to Miami. And but he had Nebraska under there, um, so I was just like, it was un because watching it live, you're like, oh, you feel for they, the kid. They you're had like, to hold up the whole thing. Yeah, it was awkward oh, and kind of sad. And but that's stupid. why you don't do that yeah, stuff. That's it, why you don't do that's it. That's why you don't need to do all that crap. But but like, did you but, hear the real it, story? It was, was it Miami trying to say that Travis Fisher was not going to be Miami? There? Was Bob Sugar? Trying to take Cush at the last moment. So Miami, when this is speculation, we don't know. But somebody who I'm guessing has Miami ties got a rumor out there that, that Travis that Fisher was Travis going to another job. Or yeah. So who knows what that means, right? But they have like then all of a sudden, like ten minutes later, Fish comes on Twitter and is like, "I'll be coaching these guys for four years." Yeah. And so. I think, but the Frost in the press That's conference said, "Crazy." He goes, "When he stepped out, he was talking to Frost, and Frost talked him back to like, dude, we're good, really." So, so he was talking to Frost. He was talking to Frost, and then Frost was texting him. So I think somebody got into the kid's ear the last minute and said, "Hey, what, man, you shouldn't well, be going to Nebraska. Bullshit. You're losing your coach, your guy." Because I think Fish, Fish is the dude that got all these He's dudes the in Florida. Guy. 
He's from Florida. He's got he the went Florida. To North Flo- did he? I think he's from Florida and went to North Florida. Like he's a Florida dude. He's our Florida guy. He's the number one Florida recruiter. Because Frost even said he's like every year there's a superstar that emerges in the assistant coaches that recruiting and like you got a sense that Travis Fisher was out there doing his. I think it was, bang. It was held last year and it was Fish this year, but Fish. That's Somebody, crazy though. Isn't that amazing? Like that, that it's a window into like what what you're really dealing with. So if you don't if you don't have the ability to like if you're not on your phone texting calling these kids ten minutes before their press conference, he could have maybe switched to Miami over some, some somebody got to him and and spread the rumor and like poor kids just like dude kids just trying to just do nice. the thing and. Well, because, I mean, imagine, like, really truly put yourself in his position. Now, again, we both you and I probably wouldn't have, like, had the whole ordeal. But at the same time, what if all of a sudden, as you're committing, so it was like, hey, Frank Solich is going to be there, da-da-da-da-da. It would like, make you go, holy, you go, whoa, 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 holy crap, I, I'm signing. And let's say you also had another option that you also kind of liked. If it was, especially if you really were, like, unsure. That th- especially, so, especially when you're talking about a kid that's from Florida and it's like, you know, it's the, the decision to stay home is always like, yeah, I just stay home. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, though, this is just another thing where, like, you want to talk about Frost closing? Like, this is closing. Like, Scott that Frost, crazy. whatever he had to do in those last 10 minutes before the press conference, like, he got it done, and the kid committed. And the kid's a good player, and he's going to – and here's what I love. I actually love these kids that enroll early. It's amazing. Because – you actually, if you want to play, don't show up in, in June in August yeah. because I just think it's too hard to play. I, I mean, I've been through it and I'm like, man, like you got to be a freak. You think you're working out? You know how it is. Like you think I don't know how it was for you. Like I remember I thought I was like I was really working hard, like working out at Southeast and all that stuff. And then you get to like college, and you're like, oh, this is a these are college workouts. This is different. Like. You think you're in shape. You think you're working out. You think you're doing all these things, and it's just not the same. The the, the strength, and then there's the intelligence. Yeah, the aspect. intelligence, the strength difference, like the experience, all the little things, like, and then just the ability to stay healthy as a young guy when you're not yeah. physically strong enough. Like that's half the battle is when you're young and trying to play, you usually get hurt. Yes. Yeah. So, but but being able to get so here he's early, an early enrollee, right? He's going to be an early enrollee. That's what I believe they said today. Which there's a lot of, isn't there? Like a good chunk of these kids are a, a decent portion. I of them think gonna... there's uh, so the big tackle Cochran, which is big because he's our best recruit. Who O linemen don't normally play as freshmen, but if there's a guy that can, it could be this guy. And then there's a couple DBs. So that Henry Gray, uh, the the kid from Miami, Francois Logan Smothers, the quarterback. Um, and then I think so. Like Ativa, the linebacker. Omar Manning's not right. Omar Manning's got. A few got things. He's got to get some grades. He's got to take uh, so. single coverage, one twenty, <laughs> slant and go two ten, down out and up three hundred. Introductory should, to. He should go NFL four hundred one k training. Um, I wonder if my man Nico's coming. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but so hopefully, I think a couple of these JUCO guys will be coming too. But, um, you know, you, you all of a sudden get five or six guys. Oh, Isaac Gifford too, which is – Yeah, a, that was the next guy I want to talk about. So, but anyway, the, these guys that come early, they go through their first winter conditioning, which is huge. Enormous. You'll put on 
you can put on 10 pounds every winter conditioning if you're killing it. Right. And then that first spring ball, you sort of learn how to stop being a bad football player. And so then all of a sudden you go into fall camp and well, you, you have a chance to contribute. Well, the, to me, the other thing is, I, I don't know how this was for you, but just the element of, I remember the first, so I, 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 remember I actually took my finals a week early so I could enroll in summer school in June to go to KU for yeah. all of June for the first summer school session. And that summer school session, you're just, where's my class? Where's the weight room? Where's this? Where's that? Where, like all these things that you are trying to, you're just trying to get through. Like I remember feeling like I just, every day was like, if I just need, it's a battle to get to my bed at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like it's a lot. And the, the, even just one month for me at KU, I was exponentially more comfortable than when everything started in the fall. Yeah. You know, so like just of like, oh, I know where that class is. I know where I'm going with this. I know that person. I know the tutor. I know the academic advisor. I know this. I know my way around the town. You know, like all those things. Like, so, and, and that's just... You're, you're trying to like take things off your plate of stressing you out and like so you can kind of just uh, like play football at the highest level or basketball in my case at the highest level. So like all these guys that get here early, they're not having to figure all that crap out as much. Well, you just think about how hard that stuff is to do and then you go play against guys that are four years older than oh. you, stronger, like ex- more experienced. And so you have to be so much more talented than the average person to even like be on that field and compete it, correctly. It was, I mean, just to how bad our bodies were. Me, like, first day we, we had to do dips. Like, I, I mean, I could do like two. Because <laughs> you didn't lift. I know you were worried and about I was that shot. Like Wayne seeming like, what's up, Wayne? <laughs> I couldn't do any dip. It's just horrible. You know, your body's not there. Your yeah. maturity's not there. Like, I mean, it, it came time to like, I had to get like some food for like my dorm it's like you know and that is i mean it's just all those things you're like i've never done that before you know like I, you, you've never done I'll, those things before I, I i tell people this i still think i mean between my freshman year fall camp that might have been the hardest fall camp i've ever done oh no like i mean it, we did two days then when it was real two days yes and i just remember this because it was me and Corey McEwen, and we had to take every scout team rep And then you're trying to, you know, work into the real defense. But, like, when you had to do, like, everything as this, like, freshman scout team, and you're just getting – you're going against the first-team offense every day, and and then you're trying to do – like, you're doing so much that's so new, and you're just, like, your head's spinning. I mean, it's – Your head's spinning. Your body – you're sore. You're banged up. You're you're trying to keep your head above water of the system. You're trying to keep your head above water of classes – Oh, yeah. And like it's just brutal. <laughs> Do we ever tell you about our first day of practice? No. So this is what happens to freshmen. So this is me and Corey McEwen. Okay, we're freshmen. <laughs> because at this time there wasn't a lot. Like if you like the like we were the only scholarship guys. So we we're the only freshmen at the time that were on the the fall camp roster. Okay. So there's no walk on guys that were there. So we're the only two freshmen there. And you know this is Pelini and Solitier. So we go. We do. Um, 
you go to team meeting, and then you go to defensive meeting, and Pelini's there giving his talk, and he goes, okay, let's break. I'll see you guys in the field. So me and McCune go down when this is when there was a north and a south locker room, and the freshmen were in the north. We walk down the north. We get all padded up, taped up. We're like, dude, this is big. This is our first practice, right? We're ready to go. And so then we walk out in the field, and there's there's no one there. And we're like standing around, and we're like, all right, man, get ready, because this is a big day. And a couple of minutes go by, and we're looking around, and we're like, there's no one here. Where is everybody? And then like the uh, one of the trainers yeah. comes run down, and he goes, guys, it's like Coach Williams looking for you you guys have meetings right now. He's pissed. And so we go, oh, crap. So everybody knew that when, when it was you, you, went you break meetings, and you go to meetings and me and McCune were down the field for like full pads. 20 minutes and full pads just geeked up. And, you know, we get in and we walk in, sit down at the end. No, they're in. They, they went right from the meetings to the next meeting. And we thought that meant you go to, pl- to practice because we just the things you don't know as a yeah, freshman. That's a great anecdote. And though. and Coach Williams, who was a hard ass and a half, yeah. just looked back at us and looked. And then he looked at my brother and he goes, that one's on you. You should have told them. And so we didn't get yelled at or in trouble because we were dumb ass freshmen. But <laughs> that stuff happens with everything. So that's oh. what we, So when people talk about freshmen playing, just remember – Dumbass freshmen yes. are gonna do dumbass things no all year long. That's how have you never told me that story? Me and McEwen talk about it all the time. We think it's we laugh <laughs> hysterically because we we embarrassed hey, ourselves. I'm kind of with Coach Williams. I mean, Barrett should have told you what. Like, come on. I mean, it just you're just stupid though. As a freshman, you're just my stupid. My thought was when I when when I became an upperclassman with the freshmen, don't do anything to piss off the coaches. So my whole thing would have been like oh anything God. like I was going to give you guidance whenever I could, but in particular, like I'm going to make sure at the minimum, you're not going to make the coach Altman or coach self pissed off. Well, I mean, it just, it was the thing. That's there, was, amazing. there was two locker rooms. There was North and South and you don't know what you're doing. And so you like, the, I mean, we miss, I mean, you just, and it's the first day. So you're just so, you're trying to make a, such a good impression. You're like, I want to oh, be the yeah, guy. And is. we met, I mean, we were idiots. Oh God. I feel like it, it was all for a second. I thought it was like a practical joke. Like, Remember uh, Shooter McGavin to have a good one? Oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah, uh, ninth green, ninth green. green, nine o'clock. Why don't you go there? And it, like, I thought that's what like, the that's, sprinklers were going to get you. Or that's what, it be, for sure. that's I, what I, I wish it would have been that, but we were just, thank God that <sighs> some reason Coach Williams had took pity on us. This so you and I are class of 03, Southeast Knights, also class of 03 with LeBron James. Shouts out to LeBron. Me, uh, me, you, and LeBron, we all class of 03. St. Vincent, St. Mary's, Lincoln Southeast is pretty much the same thing. It's all one. But I was pumped because I love Luke Gifford. I love Lincoln Southeast. I was pumped for Isaac. Yeah. And I don't know if I can even – maybe you can speak to it. It sounds like – they they finagled some things on how they're it's a blue shirt yeah. for Isaac Gifford, meaning so I'm reading from the story here, like he he will be put on scholarship the first day of fall camp. So I feel like he's he's a technically not on scholarship here because he's an early enrollee. Yeah, he's a, he's gonna be a walk on. 
until the the next year starts where and I just learned about this so apparently you get 26 you get 26 new scholarships every cycle and the new cycle starts at the start of the, the season right. so right they basically they said we really like you but we have you know it's like, a numbers thing well it's a, I mean yeah. Nick you know what they had to do today they had to tell somebody that yeah hey sorry we just don't have anything for you and I think the benefit to Nebraska, and this is one of our advantages, we have this unbelievable walk-on program, which is critical to our success. But we also will get some legacy guys like this. Like Luke or like Like, like Luke. And, and in my day, we did they did a gray shirt, like Andrew Shanley. That's what I knew gray shirt. I've never heard blue shirt. I've heard gray shirt. Gray shirt is what they used to do. Because that's what Creighton offered me out of high school. They said you walk on for a year, then you're on scholarship. Coach Alvin called it a gray shirt. Yeah, so this is almost different because it's like at the start of the season they can. So it's blue shirt might be different. I think gray shirt might be like the full next year. No, it's a know. full. Gray shirt was the whole year. So it would be like the next 2021 so, yeah, season. That, that's yeah. the way I understand the terminology of it. And that but. might be. But so, but so Gifford's a guy that they said like because he's a legacy – they really like him. They but really liked Luke. I got the sense at the end of Frost's first year, they liked Luke. Oh, I mean, they loved Luke's the, a ball. Luke's, Luke's playing, playing, playing for the Cowboys. Like the, here's the thing: is like Isaac's. He's not as big as Luke, but he's he's athletic. So I think the 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 you know with him, it's you know I think he tested like he's like a the guy was like a 38 inch vertical, which, 30 inch, 30 which inch, I, I'll, I'll tell you this is like dudes that jump 38 inches are, are special. Yeah. So. So, like I said, I think he's one of those guys. He's not as big as his brother, so he's not like an obvious scholarship guy. But he's good enough that they say, "Look, we see your your floor as being a guy that contributes. Like you might not be the same ceiling as some of these other dudes, but your floor is high, and we think that just give you a year and or two. Here's the thing. The, the, it, it goes along the lines of what you and I were talking about before we turn on the mics. We're talking about Charlie Easley in Nebraska basketball. Like the one thing I'll bet, because like Charlie, I was saying Charlie's tough. Yeah, he's tough and he's smart, and he's gonna give you everything he has, and and he's not gonna like he's not gonna hurt you. Yeah, like at the very least, I can bet you all those things I just said are true about Isaac Gifford. I bet Isaac's tough as shit. I bet Isaac's smart. I bet Isaac's gonna work hard. Isaac was a four zero kid. Like he, your like, program gets better if he joins it. Yes. And you know what I also think too that they those guys, it's obvious they they a lot of coaches and a lot of these big programs. Nebraska's a big program. Could look at a guy like Isaac and say, "Well, walk on if you want to. We don't right. really care." And Nebraska knows better. They know that. Hey, even though we can't say just like we we don't have the scholarship numbers to offer you. If they had thirty, they would have offered him. Right. But they said, "We want you here, and we know you're going to help our team." Like that's the difference that they recognize that kid is going to benefit the program totally. Even though it's not the like the highest rated whatever, that doesn't matter. They know that guy's going to be a. I don't want to call anybody a sure thing, but he's a net positive. There's almost no, guaranteed. There's no way 
Isaac Gifford hurts your program. No. And I'm biased because I love the Gifford family. So, so do I. That's, I'm so, biased, and I'm biased because of Southeast, and I love Luke. And I, I didn't I get think, to see. You know, like, what's crazy is I didn't get to go to a Southeast game this year, so I didn't get to really see him play. But, well, you he, know, I mean, everybody tells me he's just he's a really good athlete. He's he tough. Run, he's he fast, can run. He's explosive. He's got, I think he's versatile. Like I think some people have said he you know, it might be because it's another white backer, but, like, they, they see him – Kind of being like JoJo Doman a little bit, strong, but strong safety. safety yeah. Put him down. Do a different. Thing. I mean, he he had offers from Oregon State, Colorado State, Wyoming, Air Force, Army, New Mexico State, Youngstown State. Shout out to Joe Ganza, Bopolini, and Northern Iowa. So, but that's like, just it. Like you that's not. You're not a. Bu- you're, you're like as, for Nebraska. You should be thanking your stars. Like you get these dudes. Like this guy and this receiver from Johnson Brock. This Ty Ty Han. Like you're getting guys that can go elsewhere, coming to you because they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Yes, and, 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 and I'm telling you what, like, like even that kid from Johnson Brock, I, I turned on his film, and I mean, he's playing against eight man, and some of these kids are terrible. These players, I mean, <laughs> terrible. I mean, these guys. Yeah, it's eight man football. I mean, you can have some guys out there. Like you could, you could. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember the – like, I could probably, when I was in sixth grade, been on that field. On, yeah. But do you know what the, the test is? Did he look like a Division One guy playing against a bunch of crappy players? He did. Yes. And so that's what a Division well, One guy do does. What is he supposed to do? I mean uh, – You know what I mean? Like He, he, he could only do what he ass, did. You know, like, he kicked their ass badly. Right. And so well, you like go – the whole scene of uh, – was it Smithers that was trying to trick Homer into a nuclear power plant like art contest with a bunch of kids, but Homer entered it? He won. And he won, and, he was, <laughs> and they were all excited. Yeah. And it might have been Frank Grimes that was trying to do it. He's like, yeah, but he kicked those kids. Yeah. He goes, yeah, but he beat the brains out. Yeah, Moses, like, and everybody. Yeah. And, <laughs> but that's what it was like. Well, listen, yeah, it's eight man football, but he beat the brains out. Like, And, and to me, I saw in that kid, you know, he's a guy that. Who knows if he'll ever play? But you go like I, I. We had Todd Peterson on the pod. Todd's a walk-on from Grand Island Central think, Catholic. Do we think Todd would be what he was? Probably not. Nobody thought Todd even, Peterson. Even even I remember when I was researching to get ready for that pod, it was hilarious to read the quotes from like Todd's parents. Todd's dad was like, "Yeah, we just hoped at one point he would make the travel roster," and at one point, like. Th- Parents were yeah. like, "Yeah, I don't know." And Todd ended up like being in the record books. Yeah. I, so th- this kid, it's funny. This kid, it, I, I think it's such a. It's that's the, yeah. like the more kids like this, Nebraska can keep here. Like the better we are, the more kids will come. I, and, and like th- those kids end up, they might pl- just like Charlie Easy. Like all of a sudden, you just go, all "Oh, of a sudden Charlie has to play." Has to play, and, and if he can and get it he's done, helping you. And then you go, yes. Th- that that and gives us such a leg up on the teams that that have the unbelievable recruits within you know within their state. Like this, oh, and what about free, say, it's a free it's free money essentially. It's this isn't to say. I'm trying to think of a good example. What I'm about to say is it, like this isn't this isn't to say that Marlon Lucky. I'm just pulled a name because he was yeah. California, right? Yep. This isn't to say Marlon Lucky didn't have immense amount of pride in Nebraska and the program and what he did. I'm not – what I'm going to say is not to insinuate that he didn't have it, but he didn't have as much as you did. 
That, well, that, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? Like when you're from California or you're from Florida, no offense to these guys, but you like do, but, but you don't point. know. But that's the, that's the point. Like there's no way it like you cared more than a lot of other out-of-state kids. And I'm not saying you got to get all Nebraska kids, but I'm saying you got to get some. One of my I had a point in one of my pods previewing the Creighton Nebraska basketball game was so so Creighton has kind of owned Nebraska over the last decade plus in 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 basketball. And as we pour more wine, more Tom Cruise Pinot Noir. Oh, really? You're just giving you're giving me. Yeah. Okay. Here, this 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 requires yeah. Like, no. My point was. My point was that. Stevens. Even Steven. Even Steven Seagal. <laughs> but. Nebraska hadn't had an in-state kid start the Creighton-Nebraska game since Wes and Jason in 2005. That's Since crazy. that point, Creighton had had me, Dotzler, Antoine Young, Josh Jones, Justin Patton, Kyrie Thomas. Like, I, all I'm saying is those games meant a little more. Like, did you the Sharif Mitchell kid from Burke that came in and made a couple of good plays yeah. for Creighton? Like, that, I'm sorry, that game meant more to Sharif than it did to some of the out-of-state kids. See, that's so weird, though. The Nebraska basketball hasn't gotten more Nebraska okay. players. Like, Creighton is taking advantage Creighton's of it. Creighton's kind of become, like, where a lot of in-state kids have gone. But my point, the point is with Ty Han and with Isaac Gifford, is like the one thing those guys are going to bring is an element of pride that is hard to, to, uh, to calculate or tangibly sink your teeth into, but like every day I guarantee you Ty Han and Isaac Gifford are going to show up and, and, and bring it. Well, there is, there's, you know, 80 years of history of Nebraska kids, the amount of work and dedication and the standard that they have set for this program. I mean, it's documented. That's not something that we're just sort of, it's not lip service. Like that's real. And the more of those guys we have, and especially when it's free money, like these guys right now is free money. We're getting two really good players for free. So you got this recruiting class. We're talking a top 20 class. And then you throw these guys who would normally be like, yeah, we want these guys as, as scholarship guys too. We're getting them for free money because we kind of can right now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's respect. I guarantee you, Barrett has been on Isaac Gifford and been talking to him, and Frost has been talking. Like, uh, I think those guys, they apps. I mean, they wouldn't come if those guys didn't show them they want them. I think for for Isaac and I'm just assuming and Ty, like for them, I think those are the type of kids that they know they're good enough that they really, they're really weighing the like, hey scholarship versus like weight and scholar you know what i mean like and, and, that's and, something to mentally they they had to come to grips with cuz i know that's it, not easy it had to have it i mean isaac sat and watched his brother play for 4 years at nebraska mm -hmm. like you you watched barrett go out there and strap it on and do his thing and like that matters oh yeah like it 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 matters so i i, I wanted to make sure we we shout out. We shout out Isaac. So, well, like and I said, Luke, if you're listening, we'll get you on the pod soon. Whatever yeah. football season. No, done, I mean Luke, that, that's the thing is like those guys. Uh, those guys is and, and I think our. I mean, this year we got a really good 19. walk on. That stuff, dude. They're building it up. Well, yeah, I so, was mad. Did you hear the what was it? Uh, Stovall is transferring. 
Was it Stovall or? Stallbird. Stallbird. That's who it was. Yeah. One of the guys was leaving that was like. We got Francois. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, here, here's a here's one I, I did a little research uh, this week. This is what I do now. Sorry. Don't tell my company that <laughs> sorry I. Sorry to Bo's um, wife, Courtney. <laughs> sorry to my wife and the company that I work for, but <laughs> I've been on the, the internet a lot this week. So I was looking up our walk-on situation comparatively, right? So the average NCAA team has 118 players. Okay. You get 85 scholarships, right? So you do the math, right? That's 15 and 18, call it... uh, 30 30, 30 to 40? 33 to 35, right? Um, Players that walk on each program. Nebraska has 153. So we get an extra 25 players, 2025. And this is going to be a bigger, probably better walk-on class. So you start, you know, you start doing the math. It's like, man, it's like one out of five or 10 walk-ons can develop into something. All of a sudden you get, you know, out of, let's say we get up to where we're 40 or 50 above everybody else players, which just pool of players to work with right then all of a sudden you get like you know out of 50 players if you get eight or ten people to contribute it's sometimes it comes be it becomes as simple as a numbers game it's the biggest you want to maximize it maximizes your opportunity to have some guys hit nick it's it goes back to freaking bill callahan you know bill callahan came in and we had Damn near 200 guys on the roster. I mean, we had so many guys. Probably, I mean, we had guys that would stand around and do nothing at practice. So I'll give him that. There was a couple guys that uh, I was just fine with him getting rid of. But he all of a sudden he wanted took to, that to... He threw the baby out with the bathwater, or whatever that saying goes. Like He put us through a torture test. Our, his The first winter condition, he was two weeks of hell. Like four in the morning, get there, tape your ankles, and like make everybody throw up all, all morning. It was terrible. Oh. And he ran off. It was intentional to run off those guys. Not just like players didn't want to be there, but I think he was trying to get rid of all the walk-ons. Sure. So he went from, who knows, 170 or 180, 190 that we had down to 123, I think, was our number, which is close so, to the uh, average. Yeah. That's near the average of what most teams have. But that you lose you it was, lost it 20 was, in an effort to get rid of No, Nick. We lost probably fifty. Right, but I'm saying twenty of them were maybe good. Yeah, and you and in efforts run off the bad thirty, you lost twenty. That's exactly what happened. And then for the next handful of years, you just you know because we had so many great great walk-ons. I mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna send our pot out to Stu Bradley. Uh, yeah, but like Stu Bradley is an instance like he's a walk-on. He walked on or banned. Ben Eisenhardt. Yeah, but they mean, but like Stu's like an well, NFL. Stu, Stu has went to play in the league. You Stu, know? Stu is you know six seven years in the league. You know, like unbelievable. At like, was, that's just that's like, crazy. why would you want to like limit the amount of potential Stu Bradleys in the world? I have no idea. I have no. It's idea. silly. It's stupid. So I, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure we talk about the local the the for, specifically Isaac Everett and Ty Han. Anything we're missing with. The class before we get into a few things with the presser and then we can kind of wrap it up. Anything we're missing with what happened today? Uh I mean, I think we hit on what do you I mean, real quick, Logan Smothers, like 
Seems like a stud. Yeah, you know, from Alabama. Um, it reminds me of McKenzie Milton in a lot of ways. I watched a little bit of film today, and he he looks like he's 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 not big, but he right. looks crafty, and he's he's quick and fast. I mean, he's really got a nice little. He he'll fit nicely in this offense. Like he's very McKenzie Milton ish. Six two one ninety out of Alabama, four star kid, uh, and so that that kind of. Spills us into some of the stuff. Are you good? We're we going to the frost presser. You want to go? We ahead? didn't talk at all about Z- uh, Xavier Betts. Yeah. So is he he didn't sign, right? He's the only guy didn't sign, and it's crazy some we haven't academic talked. Stuff. It's crazy we haven't talked about him because of Omar Manning. He kind of like yeah, he became a and he's been committed a long time. But I mean, this dude is our guy. He's a top hundred player in the country. Yes. And we've sort of just like assumed, but like this guy needs to make grades because. I mean, like I said, this guy, this is not a baby gap guy, Nick. No, he's 6'3", 190. I'm looking at He is the number one player in the state of Nebraska. He is the eighth-ranked wide receiver in the country, and he's 52nd in the country. I mean, Nick, that's for a Nebraska dude, that's huge. That's huge. And the fact is, like, I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about him. He deserves to be talked about because he's a big part of this. But at the same time, Get your grades right. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, it's kind of like get your grades right, man, because you do no, you do us no good having to go JUCO and taking the like. Once you get away from our program, the chances of failure increase. The chances of you not coming here again, or the chances of something going wrong somewhere else increase. Like he needs to get his grades right, and he needs to get to the in the Nebraska system. Uh, quick. Well, I mean, the one thing that. You know Nebraska's going to do all that they can within the rules to help out the kid and stay sure, on the kid. Sure, and they should be able to. But, yeah, I mean, he – because, I mean, Bell West, I mean, you checked all their scores this year. I mean, they were they were just hammering people. Yeah, nobody's, nobody was touching them this year. Nobody was touching them, and they were airing it out. And, I mean, again, the one thing Nebraska rarely has is a top 100 wide receiver. Yeah, it's it's actually surprising. So, so he'd really, be a February guy. Yeah, he just he has to. I think he, the the point is you don't they don't want you to sign officially until your grades are good because as soon as they sign in the dotted line, that like freezes your academic situation. Or is it- well, it 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 locks in that that spot. So whether you have to not make it and go JUCO or go somewhere else. For whatever reason, that spot is taken. I got it. That so they, to a certain extent. I mean, I kind of think it's dumb because, like, if your guy doesn't, if he doesn't should, come, I guess why would why I can't mean, you get it back? But that's the rule. I, uh, from what I'm, from what I gather, so essentially, it's like they're saying, get it right. We'll sign in February, and it should be fine. If not, then they want it open because transfers yeah, and right. they, sure. and I think they kept one spot open to two for transfer players. So I would think Betts could come in like he's a guy that could potentially come in and contribute. If he can learn the playbook, why can't why wouldn't he be able to contribute? Cuz cuz again we've talked about there are certain positions running back, I think wide receiver to a certain extent, like young guys can get on the field. I mean, if you can run a couple of patterns that you feel like you should be able to somewhat I mean contri- like even not even all the time but like in situations right. come in. I mean, right now we got Spielman and Wandale, and then it's like, it's Cade, a, Cade Warner graduate. Cade Warner will be back, and he's a yeah. guy. He I mean, actually, solid. I like him. He's solid, but like you but need. I'm saying Cade's not a Cade's not going to go win you a game 
Fr- uh, you know, and Frost yeah. Frost made a, an interesting point. He said there's usually like ten receivers on a team, and you usually have like seven that like you you want to like somewhat try to have like ready to play. And we had like three or four. Yeah, and he he, said, was he like, said it was the one in his press conference today. He said when they took over, they usually carry ten or eleven scholarship wide receivers, and they had four. That seems so that's, low. That's unbelievable. And I think that's why. And what's hard is. So that's why you've seen the enormous amount of wide receivers that have been taken the first two classes. And that can create of like, well, how can none of these guys play? Well, some of them might have been like, yeah, take him. You know, like they needed they needed to take as many guys as they could because they needed to like get their numbers up. I, I, and I'm, I'm going to make a big assumption here because I don't know. I really don't have any clue. Like I have no clue how good last year's and the years before class was. But the fact that, we were so in need of receivers and we didn't have anybody that just tells me that we didn't love any of those guys. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear pass rusher and outside linebackers unique because it's hard to bring in freshmen and have them make an impact right away. Yeah. But I think the fact that they had to go to Omar Manning and had to, had to go that route for the wide receiver spot tells you a lot about what that room looked like this year. Well, and you could tell by the way what what they said and what they didn't say tells you a lot about, especially like receiver, yeah, receiver and line, outside linebacker. They're like, they they won't they won't bash their guys because that's the right thing to do. But sometimes you miss. Sometimes you just evaluate a guy. You think he's better than he is, and it, he gets to this level and they can't do Nobody, it. Nobody, it, it's and there's nothing against the kids. Like they're probably working hard and trying, but not everybody. Translate, yeah, it translates from high school to college. It's such a fine line, like the skill set thing. Like some guys got it, and they know how to take it to the next level, and some guys don't. You just, I mean, that's you're dealing with the the ultimate variable, and that's just like a human being. Yeah, you just don't know. Like you, they can check. You can have someone that checks off every box of like size, weight, athleticism, explosiveness, all that stuff, and it's like for some reason it doesn't work. Yeah, for some reason it doesn't work. So hopefully, hopefully, Xavier bets. Gets his stuff together because that would be enormous. I, know. I mean, Nick, we're out of wine. Are we out of wine? But I don't want it to end. Uh, well, no, we gotta before we before we wrap it up. Um, a couple of things with the press conference from Scott Frost. He was asked about the quarterback position twice by Sip, and I love that Frost kind of roasted <laughs> Sip. <laughs> Now, what, what kind of Logan Smothers? What does it say about him? Uh, well, I, I know what article you're writing tomorrow. Oh, that made me literally I laughed out loud when oh, Frost came back Frost. to sip with that. But Frost was asked about the quarterback competition and situation, and he basically said it's you know he's like we're going to play the best guy at every position, so there's a battle at every position, yeah. which is the right answer. And and as he said it, there's so many things that you make out to be a big deal in your mind and then when someone answers it you go oh I guess you could just make it not that big a deal by handling it like that like I think we thought there was going to be like a Ron Burgundy like ladies and gentlemen may I have everyone's attention (laughs) it's an urgent announcement the quarterback competition is wide open and no one's a starter grab a spear everyone to the death (laughs) it's not going to be like that you know like you can say like I think that's the perfect way to Handle it. Just be like, listen, every position's open. It's the right thing, too. I, I think to a degree, 
to to a degree it is, but I mean, I, I think everybody has the intention. Adrian Martinez is our quarterback. I still think year. it's his position to lose. He has to play awful in the spring to lose that position. And, and so, and, spring and fall camp to lose that position. And so th- there was a little bit more on him. He had surgery after the season, yeah. which I think we all knew that, like, it, I think one of the things that became evident was he was a little more banged up than anyone thought. Yeah. I now, don't Frost wanna... wouldn't go, wouldn't elaborate, which a part of me, like, I get the whole, you know, we don't talk about injuries thing. But I also think, like, I think that policy has actually maybe hurt Martinez. Where, hmm. like, if you can, if sometimes injuries can better explain what we're seeing on the field for people, maybe that'd be like, I mean, it's just like anything else. If you, if you're, if you're banged up and you're not 100% and people, like, ultimately, we're going to assume you're 100% or close to it. Yeah, it's tough because I think you want to have the competitive advantage of being like this guy. I get it during the year. He's not I a get wounded, it during the year. He's not a wounded animal, right? Like you don't come at him because you know, like you want him to think this guy's fresh. That's right. I, I should have put like I get him not telling anything during the year. Why not? Okay, let's say he tore something in his knee and had to have surgery repaired. Why can't you tell people that today? Explain that to me. Well, I, I also think that, yeah, and I don't know. I'm guessing. Maybe it's just like, this is my I, policy, and come hell or high water, this is the policy. I don't think it's a bad policy. I think it's a fine policy. I think, though, that if it was the injury holding him back the whole time, I think he'd say that. I don't yeah. think that's the case. I think he just – he was off. He didn't play well. The injury didn't help. But I don't think it was the injury. And that's why he didn't say – Okay, that's Nick, fair. if it was the injury, I think he'd say, this guy played – the whole year with a torn whatever, whatever, and it defected him, and but he gutted through. I think it's more like he did do that, but the things he didn't do well was up in his brain, not in his gotcha, not in his left arm. Right, right, right. Like it sucks to play with a hurt arm, I'm sure, but like he didn't miss those throws because of his left. That's arm. fair. I just, I, I mean, I think there's an element of like there are a lot of people that are scratching their head about Martinez, and clearly there's been this approach to protect Martinez publicly from Frost, I don't know why you wouldn't take this opportunity to at least even give people a little bit of like, oh, he had a torn XYZ. I think oh. I think he's protecting him by not defending him. That might sound weird. But if he defends him too much, yeah, it's, people, people think that he's going to be ba- – I think he's trying to not baby Martinez right now. So it seems like he's not defending him, but what he's really doing is – Trying to keep you this and I, Martinez's team. Because you and I talked about how, like, I'm not so sure that the best thing for Martinez isn't, like, an open competition. Like, I, I think, I think honestly, for, for the f- public perception of the relationship between Frost and Martinez, I, one of the things that might not go over well is if Frost was like, nope, Martinez is a guy, there is no open competition, or, the, you know, he's the guy yeah. until, like, the, there's... The dynamic between the fans and Martinez right now is is interesting. And yeah. we don't need to re- rehash all that stuff. But and like, I think Martin, Martinez just needs to – whatever – and I don't really care how this has to happen, but Martinez needs to find his groove, find his swagger, find his whatever that thing is that he needs as a quarterback to be competent and to be aggressive. Whatever that is, 
I just want him to find it. I don't really care if it's from an open competition, from a closed competition, from a whatever. Like, I don't really care. I don't care. I think the key is, like, if we think that's the guy who I think it's the guy, like, I I think he just needs to find it or we need to find somebody else. Yes. Like, I I just don't – I don't know. Like, it's You're not going to get caught up in the minutiae of how it arrives at the point. I guess I don't really care that much. I don't, like, I don't need it to be a certain way. I just need, like – Whatever, well, here's, here's whatever the, the head coach thinks the best way to get that he, done. He, here's here's all that matters. Not me, not you, not Sip, not Chattel, not Dirk, not Johnny living in Carney. That's like the only thing that matters is that if everybody on the team understands what the fuck the deal is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like if it's open, it's open. If it's not, it's not. Like that's all that matters. Yep. That's all that matters. Yeah, we can't. We can't we get, we pander get too to the fans. We can't pander. You can't pander to. Well, the fans need to know that it's an open competition. No, you don't. No. Even if they, even if it is, and you don't know, like, what difference does it? Make? Like, all that matters is that all the players know what what yeah, is and, going on. And you know what? Sometimes there's it's the competition is open in the spring and close. Basically, like we got our guy for the fall camp. Like, so sometimes it's not always. Like all the time, right? But I do think though you they do need to be like they'll they'll know more about like McCaffrey, Vedral, and Smothers. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I Smothers don't is an early enrollee, right? Yeah, not that he would be, but like I don't see just another body in the room. But if like, it, like let's say McCaffrey makes some sort of crazy jump and is like then all of a sudden like I mean I don't think these guys care as much as is right. As they have think, in the past now. Like, I think they're at the point where they're like, if McCaffrey's better, like, we'll play him. The like, only why not? thing Frost is loyal to is winning. And I think it, it he had to be loyal to Martinez for two years because that guy, his presence helped recruit, helped a lot of things. We And we were, he was really good his freshman year. So, like, I get being loyal to that. But going forward, he only needs to be loyal to winning. Yes. And, again... We're all like, we're all assuming like Luke McCaffrey is Drew Brees in practice, and I said we don't. I mean, again, is we it, don't know. Coming at, you don't know. I mean, and Luke never threw the ball down the field, really. No, like Luke never sat in the pocket and threw the ball down the field. I, I don't see anybody challenging Martinez. I just don't see it right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like. Again. My whole thing was like, if you want to say someone else might take the spot, the starting quarterback spot, I'll buy that if it's based in Martinez's struggles. But if you're citing what any other quarterback did on the field, I don't understand that. No, I I really don't. Because you are doing an enormous amount of assuming. Yeah. And filling in the unknown void with... All the best case scenario. Well, look at Luke and how he runs. Well, I can only assume he can sit in the pocket and go through progression of reads with two with Chase Young bearing down and, and throw like oh really, oh really. Yeah, and look and you know what and like like I like Luke Luke's so do I like I hate game that I just like I, but you know what at the same time like he came in for one game and got hurt. And, finishing, and, you know, like like we haven't had like we need a quarterback Logan to or, play a whole year healthy. Like keep yes. him dry, like you know, like like hopefully we got some weapons where he can throw it down the field, he can hand it off. 
we don't have to run our quarterbacks more than any other team in the Big Ten, which we did, I think, this year. Is that right? Yeah. Well, he, he led the Big Ten in quarterback rushing pretty much everything. Carries, and he missed three games. Yep. You know, so, like, it'd be nice to not have to do that as much. Like, if we are better, we don't have to do that. We got to do it when we need to do it. But we we learned this year that, like, it's a double-edged sword. Like, we didn't do it when we needed to do it. I know. And we only did it when we were desperate. It's just crazy and for me to be like, like, man, they need to run Martinez more, and then you see those stats. Like, yeah, and oh. you go, he ran already the most. So, we, we that shows me we need to give him help. Like, let's let's before we say this guy's career is over. Let's remember like he was a Heisman front runner within nine months. Yeah, like like if you go to Vegas, who they're not wrong that often. Like, like Joe Burrow. Just That's why the, the whole Heisman. Joe Burrow thing. Like you know him. First of all, his I couldn't be happier for Joe Burrow. I, first of all, I love watching the kid play. Like I texted his brother yesterday. And I said I literally said Dan. I go I'm. So freaking happy for your whole family yes. because the whole family won the Heisman. It's yes, it is so cool because you can even tell Joe in his speech he kept on saying like this is a like everything he said was was finished by my fa- like this has been a thrill for my family. This has been like it's just so cool. Oh. But again, a year ago today, nobody on earth would have taken joe burrow over adrian martinez it was the right i don't even know i wonder and i'm sincere with this i wonder if you even would have whispered hey coach orgeron martinez or burrow just clean swap you get adrian martinez you gotta give up burrow you want him okay so you get martinez for three more years or burrow for two well at the time even i'm just going to last year would have been one i know I know. I'm saying like. Oh, you're going all the way back. I'm going. You're going back in the summer when he transferred. Oh, I guess two years. You're right. Yeah. So two years, you get the new the new recruit, Adrian Martinez, for four years, or you get. Well, and then I'm even going back to last summer. Last summer when each had a. No wait. It was last. Last summer, each of them had a season of starting. This is Burrow's second oh, year even, starting yeah, at LSU. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm saying, you're right. so so, I I'm not so sure that even Ed Orgeron would have been like. We get a, we get Adrian Martinez. We get Adrian. Get the gumbo. We need it now. We Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> so it's let just, me just tell you something. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. We need, we need That's to a good recruiting tool. They said something to me. Turned the camera and said, "Go Tigers." <laughs> but I always know we got recruiting. on Joe Burrow. But I, yeah, like it, it's there's so many different nuances like but it, it, unfortunately the rise of burrow has just added a layer of the drama of martinez i, I don't struggles. even I don't and i just don't even it. know that it's like it doesn't it matter to, to me because we i mean and i'm telling you like i thought oh be, I, I remember asking somebody like oh it'd be good we can have burrow and then maybe he could play a year and then let Mar-, and then everyone's like no that's a bad idea like martinez is here to play like he's not here to sit especially burrow, and like and so everybody was against it and i was like wow okay i go that's that. Think, I think if Burrow would have been a one-year guy, I think honestly it was the two-year thing that hurt. Martin, like, Martinez was so like he was so valuable as a recruit, and he was so skilled. Because remember, Burrow went through f- spring practice before he transferred. Oh yeah. So Martinez won the job. Essentially, well, yeah, essentially was winning was the job. Publicly, they didn't announce it, but it, Martinez They said, saw what they had in him, and they said, 
we're good. We had Gebbia, but backing up Martinez, and they said we're good. And I, how do you say it's not the right call? I mean, yeah, he won a Heisman, but he also like, you know, I love the Burrows, and I think Joe's a stud. But he needed some three good receivers. Yeah, Joe just, wouldn't have been Joe. Joe wouldn't have won the Heisman here. Joe would not have won the Heisman here. And, yeah, I mean, I just, like, if we all had the answers to the test before we took them, we'd all be 4-0, yeah. you know, geniuses. And it's just like, yeah, it's easy to say now, should have taken Burrow. Eh, I, don't, I don't know about that. You know, I don't. I, I, I don't totally agree. Um, last thing before we wrap it up. I – I didn't realize that this – I mean, I guess I thought it was still a potential possibility, but Frost is meeting with Maurice Washington, and there's going to be uh, some yeah, I heard that. clarity on on that situation. I, I still – if I – betting man, I would say it's probably – I don't know. I get, I would lean towards he's – at the same time, like the fact that they're even continue, like the, it's the still – The fact they're meeting tells me there's actually a chance they'll come ch- back. Like, I, I guess now I started that sentence, and I'm going to like change like, – Think, well, think about that it. That makes me think that he there's a chance Homeboy might still be around. And I I think the reason why he he's actually better off coming here is because he's had success here. Yep. I mean, those coaches stood by him through some bad stuff. Very bad stuff. And, you know, he clearly had some disciplinary issues. And so you think now in the modern-day recruit, you have disciplinary issues and they kick you off the team for a little bit or suspend you. Well, you're just going to transfer. But you also got to remember, like, I mean, he's talented and people want him, but not that many teams want him. Right. So he's going to go to a worse team than Nebraska if he wants to go somewhere and play. Because, you know, other teams are going to be like, dude, we've we've heard what's going on with you. Like, there's a lot of baggage. So he's actually probably better off coming back here. Oh, I don't think there's any question. Because if – oh, if – yeah. The, the coaching staff and the team will have him back. The best thing in the world is for Maurice Washington to be here. Because I think there's an element of, and this is always the hard thing, because people have talked about this with Tom Osborne and, and every coach has to deal with it, of like, you probably played with guys that you know that like, I play with certain guys, like if they weren't here and playing and within the structure of, all of the basketball team and the support style and stuff, they were they were they were going to screw their life up. Some people just make bad decisions. And I a get lot. the sense that there's an element of that with Maurice Washington. That like he if he just if you just open the door to Maurice and say, see you later, probably not gonna end well for Maurice. Because he's been he's been kicked out of a couple schools. Yes. Right? And I mean that's his MO right now. And and that's the hard thing, like you know, it's easy for everyone to sit and just go, oh, you kick the guy off the team. It's like, yeah, when you have a young person's life in the palm of your hand to a certain extent, like, it's not as easy as you think. Just be like, you broke the rule, you're out. Well, you know, Tom Osborne was a, was great at this. Is he, he, in a sincere way, like, he, go, he would always want to do what's best for the player, and it almost looked bad sometimes yeah. for, for the program. It seemed like you're – you're making accept, but he's like, he, he, you know, he knew that like, you got to sometimes give these guys a chance to succeed in life. And sometimes that's by like, not turn your back on them sometimes right away. And, and that's tough because you also, you, they're trying to build a culture of like, of, and how do you wed those two things? How do you do what's yeah. best for a kid 
without sacrificing building a culture. And the bottom line is if those two things can't coexist, then it can't work. But I do believe that if Frost sees a way for him to continue to establish the foundation and culture that he wants by continuing to maybe help this kid, I think he'll probably do it. But I don't know. That is with every, but, but you know, everything you, I'm saying right now. I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about. We don't know what his, happened. But he also, I think Frost did his job by saying he did kick him off the team. For you're a done. Bit. Yeah, you're done. I mean, do you know how much that stings? That stings a kid. You know, he was playing, and all of a sudden, you're done. And so now, like I said, now it's up to him. Like you can come back, and I'm sure the conversations be. If you here's the things you got to do now, and here's the things you can't do anymore, if you right. want to be a part of this team. So it'll be cut and dry. If 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 Maurice doesn't want to do those things, he'll go elsewhere. And do you have to set out a year? You think? Yeah. He'll have to sell. I would a year. think so. I don't know how that works with transfer portal. If I your coach, think, if your coach doesn't, I don't know. Leave. He can maybe apply for a waiver. There, there could be a waiver thing that yeah that creates. But like, yeah, I, I'm I just mean, saying. Like, I, I mean, people will, people will see that talent and be like, there'll be somebody will take him, but it's probably not the places he wants to go. No. And so you know he's, you know he he could help this team. And that's the thing I keep going back to is like, you know, we, we got some guys now that we don't need him anymore, but we needed him this year and he wasn't there for us. So, yeah. like, I, I think he'll have to humble himself and realize, like, one, it's going to be more competitive if he wants to come back and he'll have to do the right things. And he has been punished. Technically, he has been punished. He was not on the team for the last however many games, five, that's six That's embarrassing, games man. Like, that, that's so a, that, a player, like, so, so you could be like, oh, I can't believe you brought him back. Like, well, he was punished. Like he was kicked off the team. They kicked him off the team and said, "You're not coming back until right." So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that 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 was still even that frosty. Me, I think they're meeting, meeting the, and they're leaving the door open. Leaving the door open. Meeting tomorrow. Yeah. So, so we'll see what happens. I, I actually would love it if he got himself squared away and get back. I always want to see. I, you know, depending on I, again, I don't know what I always like. My my thing with with the teammates that I had, like, are you? ill-willed mean-spirited do you have like a bad heart you know what i mean yeah. like like the guys that are just like bad dudes those are the people that i don't you know like there's a difference yeah. between guys that are just bad decision makers and guys that are just bad guys sometimes you love the guy that you go but he's a screw-up yeah but or i he's just love a, that guy yeah that guy's just an idiot but i love him and then there's guys that you're like then they're the guy yeah then they're dudes are like that guy's a bad guy like he's yeah. a, he's not a good guy yeah i don't know which one maurice is but if he's one of those guys that just is a poor decision maker right now, but he's got a decent heart, then you hope that he can find a way to make it right. Yeah. But we shall see. Hour 53. Do we need to do a two-part? I don't again? know. I don't even know where we would cut it. It's I don't even know where so we'd Gladstone it right now. Damn it, it's fun. I mean, here's, here's I'm, I'm thankful right now that if – Someone would have offered us, and like if if a waitress came, like, can I get you guys another bottle? We'd have been like, yeah, 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 and then we oh, would be man. smashed out of our mind, <laughs> we'd be hung over the next day. Now we're gonna feel okay. We're sober as jaybirds right now. Oh god, the Tom Cruise Pinot Noir was pretty good, was it not? It was damn good. I mean, that's literally. I saw a Top Gun two trailer. This said the Maverick on it, and that was enough for me to buy it. Do you understand how my my mind works? Here's to Tom Cruise. Here's to UNO. Here's to uh, 
Mel Gibson playing cards, the Maverick. All right, my friend. We are going to have to do this again. Anytime you want. Soon. Soon, soon. The pod soon. studio, we got to get all the we gotta posters up. We got to get soundproofed. Up. We got to get You got to uh, so your homework is to kind of like start thinking about pictures. It's always weird to be like cuz right now it's literally like a shrine to me. It's a bunch of me right now playing, which is a little lame. But at least you got to spruce it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe suggestions. If anybody out there is listening, you got a great poster picture suggestion that needs to go in the the Nick Ba podcast studio. That'd be good. Because at some point we might have to videotape a wine pod where people can like see us and see the room and see all this this going on. And, and again, like we said, it doesn't have to all be sports. It can be movies. We again, we might have to have Kathy Ireland. Uh, she but do was... we want to be the guys that have a Kathy Ireland like? Uh, yeah, I think we are. I think that's fine. <laughs> we'll put her. We'll put her right behind the door. So that's like, a, Nick, you can only see her when Nick, we're in that's the us. room. We're, we're Kathy them. Ireland. We're them. We're, we're swimsuit edition <laughs> Kathy Ireland guys. Yes, we are. All right, I'll appreciate. I will, I will embrace that. Okay. So until next time, subscribe to the pod, and we are going to be sprucing up the pod room and do like. We have no rules. We can do a pod. We can do a wine pod like once a week if we want to. Okay. Hey, you know I'm in. Hey, real quick. Sorry to. Did you do the juice cleanse? You finished. You finished. I knew I wanted. Yeah. To oh yeah. Because people, I had people like, did Bo do it? Did Bo do it? Okay. Real quick to, to wrap talk, it up. Didn't we talk about that? We. You text me, but we didn't. You. You were struggling. Oh, so. So we'll wrap it up with a juice cleanse. Sorry, I, I wrote this down to ask you, and I did. We got sidetracked with God knows what. So juice so cleanse. You did a three dayer. Uh, it's just. I just didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> it was, okay, it was just like I don't know. It's like you don't like I don't. You just don't feel good. That was my whole thing. Is I thought at some point I'd start feeling better. Right. You never feel good when you're juice cleansing. You're just like <laughs> you're miserable. You're like this is terrible. So I get this. Like yeah, you're cleaning out your system, but. Uh, how I, was how was your process of eating then real food? Um, was it seamless? Because that was my thing. Is I felt like it was kind of hard. It was almost it was hard. hard. It was like my body didn't react to real food. Then, well, like, you start eating real food and your stomach's not used to yeah. it. But I think if you juice cleanse, it should be for like a day, man. Like five days. It's like you did three or five. I did three full days. I mean, I, you saw me. You and I went to dinner the last day. And the five, like I, you and I went to Hero eighty eight out on. In South Lincoln. Oh yeah, and I mean, I basically like came crawling in there, like dying. Well, I Nick, I didn't listen to the Almond Brothers once that week. Oh no, really? So I did. You, it was I did only juice. I did. I couldn't have done that. Like, so I did right juice. Now, couldn't. Have I done did it. juice the whole time. No almonds. No nothing. Couldn't have done it. And I just was like, I just didn't feel good doing it. So like, I I completed it because my I'm one of those guys. Like, if I say I'm gonna do it, I yeah. do it. But man, it was like I didn't enjoy. It. I thought I'd enjoy it a little bit more. It's brutal. Did you take a bunch of doo-doos? That didn't happen because Muleisen no, told me no. about. He was he was like, oh, I, I he was like I was nervous that like Mule I, did like one day and probably had like diarrhea for a year. Yeah, well, he was eating <laughs> chips and drinking seventeen <laughs> beers and all that stuff. So I, I didn't have any issues. There. Well, here's the one thing I wonder with you is like you're already like you eat well. You like there's not a ton to clean out, right? Um. I don't know. I had compared never, to the average person, I've never had like 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 Johnny like uh, endoscope like we're going up there, we're going like, in. Like, <laughs> lot of uh, smoothies Ooh, yeah. in here. Smoothie? Yeah. <laughs> How many smoothies and English muffins does this guy eat? Mm, corn. Really? 
Okay, so there you've been you go. eating lots of corn. <laughs> did your wife do it? With, did Courtney do it with you? She did half days. So she won. And that's the way you should do it. Man, I, I, I'm glad I did it, but I didn't enjoy a second. But I will say you learn. You learn about how much you probably overeat. For sure. You know, you you learn, and then I wasn't. I was always my most hungry in the afternoon evenings. The afternoon, evening, I was a two to five. Like, luckily, I, was a wreck. I didn't have much to do for work. Thank God. But I mean, if you had to do something serious for work, you couldn't physically do it. Your brain's like, <laughs> Nah, buddy, not doing it. Not today, pal. Oh, that's too you're good. Just, you're zapped. So I didn't like that. I like feeling good. Feeling yeah, energized. that's you, you said it best. You said you, you said mean you like feeling good. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. I take this quote from Laird Hamilton, and I, I'll use it for the rest of my life. He said, "I cherish feeling good, and that's how I feel. Like I love feeling good. There's nothing better than feeling good. Love it. And There's nothing what, better than feeling good. Feel good, Juice Clinton. Okay, well, do you feel good after your Tom Cruise Pinot Noir? I cherish that Pinot Noir. There you go. There you go. Well, we are going to wrap this up right at the two-hour mark. Bo Rude, Nick Ba, Wine Pod. Everyone, subscribe to the pod, and we'll be doing more of these. And, hey, shout-out to the uh, future national champs, Nebraska Cornhuskers, after a classic today. Returning class of the year. Thank you. Omar Manning, I can't wait to watch you catch a Production.